Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining me. This is Ivan Tumulkov, and I'm your host. This is the Digital Marketing Revolution Podcast, Episode 4, and today it is February 16th, 2014, two days after Valentine's Day. Happy belated Valentine's Day to all of you out there. I hope that you'll enjoyed it, uh, hopefully with a significant other. Uh, otherwise, it makes it a little bit dull and a little bit boring. So I hope that uh, all of you out there listening to the show right now had a great Valentine's Day. A couple of things. Uh, first of all, if you're a new listener to the show, I want to let you know that uh, the format of the show uh, and the frequency of the show is a bi-weekly format. Therefore, you can find new episodes on iTunes every two weeks, uh, typically at the end of the second week on iTunes, and if you do subscribe to um, the podcast, then you'll be able to automatically receive new episodes uh, upon their availability. Uh, So what's happening in the digital marketing place? Uh, First of all, the new Google AdWords platform is now uh, live and up and running. Um, As of some of the latest reports that I saw online, now, the majority of users are seeing that in their My Client Center area. And for that matter, it looks like Google Analytics has also rolled out a new platform to coincide with the new Google AdWords. Go figure. There's the consistency of Google. Twitter's new GUI. Um, so a lot of uh, users have reported that uh, Twitter was testing a new platform, and indeed that was the case. However, by the looks of things, it appears that Twitter actually did a gradual push to where initially that platform was available to a limited audience. And now, by the looks of things, it appears that it is up and running and fully functional for all visitors. Now, some of the responses that I have seen on that GUI particularly is just that it's a little bit, quote-unquote, childish-like. What are your thoughts? I'd love to hear in the comment section of this episode. What are your thoughts on the new Twitter GUI? I personally think that... It's very clean, it's very professional, it sort of declutters everything, and it helps you identify all the important areas. The Sochi Olympic Games. So for those of you that are uh, huge fans of the Olympic Games, uh, the Sochi 2014 Olympic Games have been reported to be the most social Olympic Games in history. That's right. There has been more social media integrated within the Sochi 2014 Olympic Games than any other Olympiad in the past. So if you're missing out on the Olympic Games, chances are you can catch up on it on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, just about any social network out there. No more guest posting for SEO and particularly to gain SEO links. As of January 20th, 2014, uh, Matt Cutts, the head of Google's web spam team, posted a blog post on his blog that stated that if you were uh, attempting to acquire links from blog posts, you should probably stop doing that. And the reason for that is just that a lot of people have more or less abused that particular uh, option. Go figure, right? It's just when we thought that guest blog posting would help us gain more qualified links. Uh, to our websites, Mad Cuts comes out and says, states, you know, Google has determined that this is a spammy initiative, and therefore we're going to consider that as a spammy effort. So if you are still guest posting or allowing people to guest post 
on your website, you should probably consider stopping that before you get penalized. Something else that was really interesting is this. Google is, there has been reports that Google is testing restaurant menus in their card section. Wow, this was actually a complete surprise to me is this, that the fact that perhaps later on down the road, we might be able to find menus of our favorite restaurants by simply just searching on Google. Um, I think that just remembering from the past, I think Google was, was trying that with Twitter. This was obviously pre-Google Plus era, but this seems to resemble kind of the same approach where it would provide users with the ability to search for uh, restaurant menus of their favorite restaurants, particularly on a local level. So that's in quick news that I want to talk to you uh, talk to you guys about in terms of what's happening right now in the digital marketing world. And without further ado, let's get to the punch here. I have a great guest on this show. This particular episode is focused more on content marketing, content marketing and social media. Why should you use content marketing for building your brand, for awareness, for increased visibility, for subject matter expertise? And as a guest on the show, I have invited uh, Danielle Little, a.k.a. The Cubicle Chick. And in the next 30 to 45 minutes, I want to leave you in her capable hands to talk a little bit more about content marketing. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Ivan Tamilkov, uh, and this is the Digital Marketing Revolution podcast. And today, I'm excited to have as a guest uh, Daniel Little, aka the Cubicle Chick, aka Digital Debonte, I believe. Hello, Daniel. Welcome. Uh, hello, Ivan. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Daniel. I'm doing well. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to. Uh, be a host on the show or to be a guest on the show and um, uh, taking the time to kind of talk a little bit more about content marketing and about your brand and uh, uh, just to tell everybody listening to the show how content marketing and social media can really help you grow uh, your brand or really start a brand of your own and evolve it. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your background and your experience and how you got started. Um, basically, I, I kind of fell into doing what I'm doing right now. Um, I worked um, for the past, before I started professional blogging, I worked for about um, seven to ten years in the human resource field um, as a human resource manager um, and as a benefits manager. And one of the things that I noticed is when I would get home and I would search for information, I would search for tools, I noticed that there wasn't a lot of uh, websites or blogs focused on working moms uh, and working parents. I saw a lot of stay-at-home mom blogs and different things like that, homeschooling blogs. There wasn't any really career-oriented blogs 
um, you know, for my age group. So I was like, you know what, it might be cool, especially since I have an HR background to start my own website. And so I did so as a hobby. And I would just post little tidbits and little tools, um, things, you know, uh, things about how to help yourself get a raise, um, when it comes to getting your evaluation, um, things that, you know, from an HR standpoint, I could shed a lot of light on. And then about two years, or excuse me, two months, excuse me, um, after I started my site, I got laid off actually um, mm -hmm. at the end of 2009. Um, and so I kind of was, you know, I was looking for work and everything all over the St. Louis area where I'm from. And I couldn't really find work because they didn't want to pay me what I had been used to uh, being paid. They could get someone straight out of college you know, and pay them half of what they were paying me. So it was really getting hard to find a job. And so I started to do research and I started to, you know, think maybe I could take this and make this be, you know, an income generator for me because up until that moment I hadn't made any money. So um, I just started reading books and doing research and looking at other top bloggers and seeing what they were doing and how they were doing it and um, just starting, you know, to develop my brand um, and my readership. And I did that primarily on social media and social networks on Twitter and Facebook. And then that's kind of how it started. You know, that was four years ago and I've been blogging now full time for three and a half years and I'm making more money today than I was making when I was working full time in HR. So, um you know, it, 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 it was for me, I kind of fell into it. It wasn't a plan, but um, I think that it was divine intervention that it was supposed to happen like that. Because if I hadn't have lost my job, I don't think I would, would have, you know, went, stepped out and did what I did with the site. So um, it was, it was meant to be. Yeah. You know, you made an interesting point is this that, uh, you know, 2008, 2009, I think it was in the fall of 2008, uh, when the U.S. kind of experienced this economic downturn, uh, forcing a lot of layoffs with employers and uh, just a huge shift in the market, essentially, which I think was really, uh, you know, a catch-22 situation because while there were a lot of layoffs, you know, there was a lot of opportunity uh, in the digital space uh, for uh, solopreneurship, if you would, uh, simply because the, the digital space was evolving, if you would, and it continues to evolve. So I think that was actually a great time, you know, for you to, you know, start your own brand. And actually for a lot of people, it seems like um, around that time frame kind of started their own thing, if you would, seeing the market potential and where the market was veering. So, um, so these days everyone has, you know, a lot of different marketing titles how do you typically present yourself to others in the marketing industry when you when you introduce yourself to others um, and, and why? Well, how I currently um, you know introduce myself is that um, um, I'm a mom because to me that's just like the most important role I have. So I say I'm a mom, a professional blogger, a freelancer, and a content creator. Um, I say that because that's pretty much typically what I am. Um, you know, I do have my own website. Um, actually, I have a couple of websites, but my, you know, my main brand is the Cubicle Chick. I do have that, but I also freelance um, for other um, for other sites and publications. And then I create content all over the web, whether it be through their publications um, or someone else's website or guest posting or something like that. 
So I, that's how I introduced myself. Um, I know tight, a lot of people are into titles and into, you know, kind of inflating what it is that they do. But I think that that's just the nuts and bolts of what I do. It's a true definition of what I do. Sometimes if I just say professional blogger, a lot of people still don't get blogging. So they're like, how can you be a professional blogger? So when I throw in, you know, the fact that um, I'm a freelancer, pretty much everybody knows what that is. And then a lot of people know what content creator is because that's kind of self-explanatory. So Mm -hmm. I kind of merge all those together when I introduce myself just because I want people to kind of get a thorough representation of what it is that I do. Sure, sure. So somewhat somewhat of an industry resemblance, if you would, but not as much as, you know, to your point earlier, is, is that I feel like, you know, titles these days are so inflated, essentially. Yeah. Uh, they're so overused, I think, to some extent uh, as well. And it's very hard for people to, to find that one title that truly describes what they do, what they're passionate about, you know, what they're truly committed to when it comes to working with other brands or, or individuals. Um Danielle, let me ask you this is what do you like most about being your own boss now that you know you run the cubicle check and that's your full time job? What do I like most about it? Um, I would say the the fact that I can make my own schedule um, around my family's needs. So before when I was working, um, you know Ivan as well. I have a nine-year-old who will be 10 in a few days um, who's in the fourth grade. And then I have a 19-year-old who's getting ready to be 20. So... Mm-hmm. My son, most of my son's school life, until he got about 15 or 16, that's when I started blogging, I missed out a lot on his, a lot of things that he was doing because I couldn't get off of work. Um, Being an HR manager, I was over a full department, so so I couldn't take days off and I couldn't just leave to go to a recital or to a soccer game or anything like that. So, um, you know... Now, with my youngest, um, I can make my own schedule. So if she has something at school, I can make my schedule around that. And I don't have to feel guilty about, oh, I got to leave work so, you know, I can go see my daughter. Um, The other thing that I like about what I do is for both of my kids, they see that I own a business. They see that I run a business and they see it firsthand. So they know that they can also do it. Um, My daughter will especially will have grown up with me owning a business primarily her most of her life so she doesn't know when you know, she doesn't remember a time when I worked outside of the home really that's kind of fuzzy to her so um she's gonna be empowered and know that you know what if I want to start my own business I can do it and um it's not going to be so foreign to her so that that is something she wants to do she'll feel like she she can do it because she saw me and her father do it on a daily basis um so those two are the best things I guess that I like about working for myself and I guess the thing the third thing is the opportunities I've had so many different opportunities to do so many different things that I would not have had had it not been for the cubiclechick.com I've been in a Subaru commercial which was awesome um you know I've I've been a part of campaigns where I was flown to Lake Tahoe and spent a week there. I've I've gone to places that I probably never would have thought about going to had it not been for the site and the opportunity. So so I would say that those are like the the three best things I could say about working for myself. Um, And and, um, I I just would not trade it for anything in the world. Absolutely. You know, that is, I think, uh, you know, in in today's market is, is, I think uh, a lot of people seek that uh, diversity, that flexibility, uh, if you would, because 
uh, it gives you a little bit more freedom. And in your case, it's obviously family is an important thing. So being able to uh, set time aside, um, you know, for family uh, is obviously of huge importance. And uh, not to mention is, you know, building your own brand kind of helps you position yourself uh, as a dominant figure in the marketplace because, you know, that is something that you're passionate about, something that you love doing. So uh, I think that's why more and more people are kind of veering into solopreneurship as they try to embrace uh, all the tools and resources that are available on the web today to build a brand of your own. Um, let me ask you this, Danielle. So when you started out the, the cubicle check, uh, I know that, you know, it was just in a way kind of unintentional, really, you know, but uh, you were truly trying to find your passion. So did you have any preliminary plans for the cubicle check when you started? Did you have, uh, you know, a business plan? Did you have any kind of a vision of how you wanted this thing to evolve? I didn't. Not when I first started. Um, I, I started. It, it started as a hobby, basically. It started as an online journal for me to write about the things that I wasn't seeing other people write about. Um, about six months into my site, I did begin a business plan, uh, write a business plan, and um, I did um, a DBA um, through the um, state of Missouri um, for the cubicle chick. So I did that. I mean, I did some little things. Um, but a lot of the groundwork for the cubicle chick was just kind of built organically. I, I wouldn't recommend that, especially now because there's so many websites and so many blogs, but I think the reason why it worked, especially at the beginning is because I was just being myself and I wasn't being this formulaic, you've got to do this and you've got to do this and you've got this much and got to share this much. I was just doing what felt right at the time. And, um, that coincided with the brand and mission that I was trying to create. So it wasn't this contrived thing. And I think that now, because there are so many blogs and there are so many people doing well, it, I think that now people are being too contrived and too formulaic and too cookie cutter. And, um, that's why there are people that are successful at it full time and there's people that are not because the audience can tell if you're being true to your brand or you're just sticking to this plan just to get to point B. It's it, it you can really see it. And so I think that there's a fine line between having a plan and having a vision and having all these tools uh, and also aligning it with who you are and what you're representing online. Um, and so I tell people, you know, first and foremost, when it comes to developing that, you have to think about your audience. You have to think about who you are and what it is that you do that you're doing um, first and then kind of build a plan around that. But not try to build a plan based on I want to have X amount of Twitter followers and I want to have an X amount of readers per day and I want to have this and that. You 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 don't have to think about that mm -hmm. to be successful you can be successful just being yourself. I'm still creating a plan, still going forward with it, but doing it in a more organic way. Absolutely. I think uh, you made an excellent point about, you know, market penetration. You know, five years ago, uh, you know, 2009, 2008, as you mentioned, when you started out, is this, the market wasn't as saturated. You know, it, it was just at the tip of getting started and was bursting. Therefore, there wasn't as much saturation in the marketplace. And I feel like in today's competitive digital world, you know, you have to find that competitive angle. You know, you have to find that unique voice for your brand. And it's more challenging to do that nowadays because um, there is, you know, thousands and millions of 
blogger websites out there and it seems like there's you know a huge level of similarity across the board where you know it's hard to uh, distinguish the difference you know from one to the other so you know that was an excellent point um in terms of content marketing uh how would you describe the purpose of content marketing to someone who's brand new to it and why do you feel uh, with the cubicle check particular being a content resource and an information restore resource lifestyle blog how does content why does content pr play such a strong focus uh, in today's marketplace well the thing about it is people want to read useful and helpful information that is well written um, and informative so if you're going to have an imprint, whether it be a brand, whether it be a business. Yes, you do want to have your a website that shows what your business and your products are. But it's very important to have a blog and develop content because you're going to attract more people to your site by having a blog and sharing other things. Um, the, the reason why blogging is so popular and why we have become um, the figures of authority um, over some brands even is because we are most of us are, are are acting in a truthful manner we're telling the truth about whatever it is that we're writing about but we're doing it in a in a almost in a personal way um, we're approaching it as a different, a, a, a differently from how a business approaches it. Mm -hmm. So when someone reads our content, they're like, and I'm writing about a phone and I'm telling them about this phone and about the pros and cons. They're going to listen to me more than they are if they go to the website of the phone and read about the phone there. There is something, um, I guess, magical about having written content from a person that you feel like you know. And the reason why I say feel like you know is a lot of my readers, they feel like after you know so long, they know me. As opposed to just a business who has employees that's just writing, you know, just put, putting up things um, on the website to increase sales. Mm -hmm. So content marketing is really important because you're taking the content that you already have, the information that you already have, and you're sharing it in a creative and informative way to pique readers' interests. Um, and that's what I do every day with the cubiclechick.com. I pretty much publish new content on my site Monday through Thursday, and I repeat all content, um, Friday and on the weekends. And that's what I'm consistently doing. I'm crowdsourcing. I'm listening to what my readers want to, to, to read about. I'm looking at my statistics and what's working and what's not. And then I'm building that content and bringing it to them. So it's kind of like they're creating their own experience on my site. Um, and I think that that's how content marketing can do for businesses as well. Mm -hmm. I, think you're, I think you nailed it right on. Is this that When you were talking about the personable aspect of it is, I, I think that uh, – there's a deeper level of trust from a consumer standpoint as opposed to uh, the point that you made in terms of a brand. I feel like brands are so widespread these days that, uh, you know, someone like yourself has, you know, uh, the ability to penetrate uh, better in the marketplace uh, when you're providing useful information, you know, it, it, that adheres to the way people want to learn because uh, content consumption has become so big in today's digital marketplace that, uh, you know, in terms of uh, search, uh, in terms of uh, research, competitive analysis, things like that, 
So um, that was a really great point, and uh, I'm sure that's why the cubicle check has been such such big success because it's been able to adhere to the needs of your audience essentially, whether it's from a lifestyle aspect or just from a general informational standpoint. And with that being said, you know, let's talk about a little bit about social media and how does social media factor into content marketing? What's the role of social media within content marketing? Well, I feel like it should be a companion piece to it. Um, I think that, um, of course, when you create content, it should be shared also on social media. But it, sh- but you should also be sharing more on social media than just your content. Um, and I think that's another thing that a lot of brands don't understand is social media is is is, is social. So it's engaging. It's um, asking questions, getting feedback from your customers, and also yes, sharing content. So if you are creating content, it does need to be shared on social networks, on your Twitter, on your Facebook. Google Plus has become my um, third largest um, traffic uh, generator for my site. Um, and it's almost tied with seconds. So Google Plus is a is 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 really starting mm-hmm. to um, up the ante um, with um, with its presence and with with its usability too. So, um, but again, you know, content marketing, um, I feel in an organic um, and useful way, should be done on social media. Um, but I don't think it should be done in a way that you're constantly tweeting links and you're constantly sharing links. And you know what? Share other people's links, too. I love it when I see a brand share another brand's link. Because to me, that's saying that they value us enough to share other people's ideas and opinions, um, not just their own. So I, I, I love that. I love when people are off the cuff and they're coming up with new creative ways uh, to, to socialize on social media. So yeah, there's definitely a place for content marketing on social media. You just don't want to overdo it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing that we actually, uh, kind of skipped on is, uh, the digital storytelling, you know, aspect of it. And I think that's where social media, you know, plays a companion to your content is, is, uh, you know, being able to tell your story in a unique fashion. I think that's where content is so imperative nowadays because, you know, people want to experience certain scenarios and find out how others, you know, have experimented with certain things, you know, and how it correlates to your whole story uh, as a whole. So uh, to what you mentioned about social media, I think social media is definitely a companion to your content. So you can continue telling your story and you can, you know, uh, double and triple, you know, your uh, awareness and exposure, you know, as it magnifies through the social space. Um Another question for you, Danielle, is what do you think are the top three benefits that brands can leverage from content marketing? Of course, without putting you on the spot here, too. <laughs> um, you know, what, in your opinion, you think that are, you know, the top three benefits that brands can reap from content marketing? Well, the top three, well, increased readership, okay? Because when you're using social media and content marketing as a companion to one another, then chances are other people are sharing your content, right? And then as other people share your content, then they're coming back to your site and they're looking at it. So I think that, you know, increased readership and brand awareness is something that content marketing can give you, especially on social media. Um, number two, it can also give you, you know, a more humanistic feel because I think that for so long brands have been like this machine 
And I think with social media and with content marketing, people are able to be more personal. Brands are able to be more personal um, and more human and less, um, you know, corporate um, and less, you know, behind the iron curtain. Because people yeah, less robotic, to- right? Yeah. People want to like know, you know, um, I'm not necessarily saying they want to know each and every employee that works for the company, mm-hmm. but they just want to know the company culture. You know, I saw one brand, I can't remember what it was, but every Friday they, they, they tweet a picture of what the office looks like. So one Friday they were playing, um, uh, they had uh, rented an air hockey machine. And so every break time, everybody was, you know, playing at the air hockey machine. And that kind of made me feel like, okay, that company cares about their employees. That company wants their employees to work hard, but play hard too. And so I felt like I understood them more. And so now when I'm in the store, I think about that. You know, I think about those tweets and those things that they shared on Facebook of with of what the comp- of what their employees are doing, um, and the pictures. And they're not staged; they're fun. Sometimes they're blurry images. They're not stock photos or professionally taken photos. They're actually photos taken really, you know, at the, during that time. And I think that also just makes it more, you know, warm and fuzzy. I guess it creates a warm mm-hmm. and fuzzy moment. Um, and then I guess the third thing would be obviously to drive sales, right? You want that. That's the overall goal of most businesses is to drive sales and income and, you know, creating content. You can do that. And, you know, and I, I see that that companies are being creative with it. They're using YouTube, you know, to, to create these mm-hmm. viral videos that you don't even know that the company is, you know, has done it until two or three days later. It's like, Oh, the, this was the company behind that. You know, it's so cool that they're coming up with these campaigns and these unique strategies to catch our attention. And so I think that those three things, you know, could be, you know, best served with content uh, marketing and social media. You know, that's you made actually a really a good good point earlier when you talked about uh, uh, the, was it the pinball machine? I think that you mentioned yeah. Yeah, air uh, hockey, the air, the hockey. air hockey, right? The air hockey <laughs> machine is, you know, as a side note to that is just that I think that's why we've seen, you know, uh, a boost in, uh, employee incentive programs because companies are starting to realize that, you know, they need to entice their employees somehow, uh, for uh-huh. retention purposes. Therefore, you know, so they stick around longer because ultimately to your point that you made is, you know, with content marketing is there's so many tools and resources available out there that one can essentially start a brand of their own, you know, mm-hmm. and all they really have to do is, this, you know, kind of insert that personal voice into it to where it has more of a human interaction. That's what people want nowadays. That's, that's why I think content marketing is so it's imperative within the marketing mix you know, in today's competitive digital era is because it provides that human voice, as you mentioned. Um, Yeah. So next question I have for you, Danielle, is this, are there any books that you've written that listeners can uh, potentially take advantage of? Yes, I've actually written two ebooks and I'm working on my third book that's going to be um I'm going to self-publish myself. But the ebook that's out now that's available for download and that is free is called um Shine 10 Tips for Effective Work-Life Balance and um you know as an, a human resource manager, I spoke a lot at work um about work-life balance for my employees because when your employees are healthy, when they're well-rested, when they're happy in their personal life, they tend to be happy in their professional life as well. So work-life balance is very important. And so I've written out a book that gives you 10 tips, 10 strategies, um, as it were, that you could utilize today 
to, they're not like hard things that you got to buy things and mm-hmm. you got to wait, you know, you can start them today. Um, and they're, they're, they're basically, you know, really good tips on how you can utilize work-life balance in your, in your life and make it work for you. Because I think now with the gadgetry that we have, right, we have Skype that, you know, we have, um, you know, all these social networks and everything. People are working more than they've worked ever before mm-hmm. because, you know, you're you're always plugged in. But work-life balance says that there should also be some time when you're you're unplugged and that you're focusing on your family and that you're focusing on you. And you do that so that when you do go back to work, you can be bigger, faster, stronger, better than you were the day before. So, um, you know, it's really important. Um, I've gotten over 10,000 10, downloads of the book. Um, I pub- started... Uh, believe I published it, e-published it last June. Um, and I'm still offering it for free because I, I think it's a really helpful tool for everybody, whether you work at home, whether you work in an office, mm-hmm. I think it's helpful for everybody. So it's available right now. All you have to do is go to um, thecubiclechick.com slash shine book. Um, there's a link. You go ahead and, and um, put in your email address um, and it will be emailed to you. And it's easy breezy. You just it's a it's but it's it's one of the one of the I guess most proudest projects that that I've done because I've actually gotten emails and letters from people that says that it's really helped them. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, of course makes me feel good. So yeah. Great, great. You know, I think uh, <laughs> you know, that gives people perspective. It's a labor of love and I think that's what they're uh, most appreciative of is this that someone you know such as yourself took the time to you know uh, write this this piece this uh, this ebook and uh, it gives them a different perspective you know on how they can uh, accomplish that work life balance because I completely agree with you I think with uh, you know the ever evolving technology world is this is as consumers we're more or less kind of forced to stay plugged in you know uh, i'm thinking back to the movie of the matrix <laughs> in the way you know mm-hmm. it's like it, it's it's inevitable it's like you know we're plugged into our our mobile phones and our tablets and you know we're using facebook and twitter and pinterest and all these social networks that you know uh, it be, it becomes a madhouse to, to some to some extent and you need to kind of have that downtime if you would to where you unplug and focus on other things you know uh whether it's you know maybe taking a a short trip you know uh a getaway a weekend getaway or spend time with family or you know uh maybe spend more time exercising whatever it is else that you're passionate about so uh make sure i'll make sure that uh, readers you know uh get that link as well in the in the podcast um to download that ebook uh, my next question for you is this you know, you've done a lot of work with the cubicle check. You know, you've built a brand of your own, you know, a dominating brand uh, in the marketplace, you know, that has gained a lot of recognition. Obviously, you know, you've had a lot of great opportunities and, you know, the commercials that you talked about earlier uh, that, you know, wouldn't have happened if you didn't start your own brand. So where do you foresee yourself, you know, in the next year? What are your plans, you know, within the next 12 months? That's a very good question. And I actually was sitting down um, speaking. Uh, I've hired a PR professional to help me because at this point, I think I've grown it myself just as, about as big as I can grow it. And for phase two, I need some some extra muscle. So, you know, I was kind of sitting down with her and we were kind of going over some things. And, you know, for, for me, what I would like to do is I would like to not only be, you know, a person on the Internet that's giving useful tips and, you know, information about 
career and everyday tech and family and um, and work life balance. But I want to be like that person that can also um, motivate you and let you know that you can do whatever it is that you want to do. You know, I had my son, I got pregnant at 17 and had him at mm-hmm. 18. And so, you know, statistics said that I was not supposed to be where I'm at right now. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah. So the fact that I am, you know, I, I have a story. I have I have a, a message that I want a lot of people to know is that you are not where you came from. You are where you're going. And that's the story. That's that's what you should be focused on. And so I think, you know, phase two is me sharing my message and sharing my story and motivating other people, no matter where they are in their life. Um, I would love to do some more um, more public speaking, ramping up my public speaking. I've done uh, quite a bit in the past, but mm-hmm. I want to start work speaking at like, um, you know, women's conferences and work-life balance conferences and motivational conferences, things of that nature, less of the blogging and social media um, spectrum. Um, and I would love to become a published author. I mean, I am an author and I am, you know, self-publishing my next mm-hmm. book. But I would love to kind of get, you know, somewhere on the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, the next five years. So that's kind of a goal of mine. Um, yeah. So it's just basically, you know, taking the cubicle chicks, something that I've grown, and then making it into a movement um, that inspires people. So I, that that's where I see myself going next. You know, those are a couple of things that, uh, you know, I see a lot of people doing nowadays is this, that, and I think it's of critical importance is to have short-term and long-term goals. And it definitely sounds like, you know, you're going in the right direction, you know, being able to inspire uh, others and, and give them that, you know, level of enthusiasm that, hey, you know, you can create a work-life balance. You know, you can do this, that, you know, you have greater potential that you really need to pursue. And I think, you know, uh, giving people the opportunity to really open up and, and truly explore their the, their inner self. Um, so I think that's that's great, you know, that you have these goals in the next year. I'm actually excited to see, you know, how the Cubicle Check uh, uh, evolves personally as I've been an avid follower uh, of the Cubicle Check. And I do love getting those emails in my inbox, you know, and uh, kind of <laughs> perusing through them. So um, last but not least, uh, before we part, Danielle, first, I want to thank you so much for, uh, uh, spending some time, uh, for the podcast here. Uh, but before we part is, uh, can you let our listeners know, you know, how can they interact with you? Where can they find you on the web? What social networks and how can they connect with you? Sure. Well, Ivan, I first want to thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, I am also a fan of yours. I've seen you kind of grow and evolve. Um, and now it's like you are a dom- dominant, you know, in, 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 especially in the SEO uh, uh, field. So I, I, I'm very honored to be on your, your program. Um, so where can you find me? First of all, thecubiclechick.com is my um, main portal, my, my main website. So you can find me there. I'm on Twitter as well under the cubicle chick and Facebook, facebook.com slash the cubicle chick. Um, I am on uh, uh, G plus um, Google plus the cubicle chick one and LinkedIn, the cubicle chick. Uh, YouTube, the cu- pretty much anywhere, uh, Instagram, the cubicle chick, anywhere. There's a social network. Um, I probably even mm-hmm. ones I don't really use a lot. I probably took taken the liberty of securing my name with the cubicle chick. So you can find me pretty much everywhere on the web. I'm very approachable. If you have any questions in 
regards to branding, blogging, content marketing, content development, content creation. You can give me a holler. Twitter is probably the best place to catch me. And again, that's twitter.com slash the cubicle chick and also on Facebook as well. Great. Danielle, thank you so much once again. Thank you, Ivan. I appreciate it. All right, there you have it, folks. Daniel Little, a.k.a. The Cubicle Check, a.k.a. Digital Debonte. That was a magnificent interview. Interview. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. I think that was jam-packed with a lot of great information that I hope you guys can use in your own brand or perhaps maybe you're starting a brand of your own or you're sort of on this path right now and you're trying to figure out how to make sense of this blogging and content marketing thing and how to pair it up with all these social media channels that are available out there. This was a lot of great information. I'm hoping that you can put it into application in your own uh, situation. As a quick reminder, you can always find more information about the show on my personal website, www.digitalwebstrategist.com. You can always email me at begin at digitalwebstrategist.com. Any questions, comments, feedback, I'd love to hear back from you guys. And last but not least, new episodes of this podcast are available on a bi-weekly basis on the second and fourth week of every month. That's usually at the end of every uh, second and fourth week. Please feel free to subscribe on iTunes. That way you'll be notified automatically when new episodes are available. And boom, you can get it directly to your device. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you listening in and hope to see you here next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.